Hey, I'm Josh Smith, and welcome to another series of my podcast, Rain. If you're new here, first of all, where have you been, babe? But second, and most importantly, I'm so glad you are here now. This podcast is all about being the kings and queens of our own lives, and it's full of empowering stories from brilliant guests, as well as some incredible words to live by. And of course, a lot of lols too. We all look at our favourite celebrities and think they've got it all. And it's so easy to forget no matter who you are and what you do, ultimately we are all the same. In each episode, I'll be chatting to some of our favourite stars about the most human of experiences, how they've dealt with tough times and overcome them to reign over their lives. I've always found these conversations so inspiring, whether that's me making changes in my life, my relationships, or just getting my gym gear on. So I'm really hoping you will too. Welcome to Rain. Well, I am revving your engines this week with the second of three special episodes starring the finalists of RuPaul's Drag Race UK. And today we are joined by the desperate housewife of Dagenham herself. It's Ella the Day. Ella has truly had a hell of a day in this season of Drag Race after a snatch game playing the queen of the microave, Nigella Lawson, and roasting Judge Alan Carr like a Christmas turkey. In this episode, Ella talks about how two years ago she turned to drag after a career in the West End in the likes of Book of Mormon and Wicked, and opens up about how drag has allowed her to embrace her feminist side after years of repressing it to make themselves be more masculine, in inverted commas. I think so many people, particularly queer people, can relate to the idea of repressing parts of themselves to be accepted. So I hope you take a lot away from this episode to get those crowns at the ready. Well, hello, darling. How are you? Oh, I'm marvellous. I love Zoom. <laughs> she's been on the BBC, but she's back on Zoom. Isn't it real, Josh? I'm keeping it down with the kids, it's... with the people that work from home still, like myself. <laughs> like yourself. Well, without any further ado, congratulations on making it to... The final of RuPaul's Drag Race 2021. Are we even 2021 anymore? 2021? No, I don't know what year it is. But yeah, thank you so much. It's, <laughs> it's mental. And it's been such a long time coming since we filmed it. And now finally people are seeing what I've done, what I've been up to, why I disappeared for a little while. You know, so it's nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice. She's she's back in business. Yeah. It's such a long filming process. It's such a difficult thing to go through it tests so many different talents that you have for you what was the most testing part I guess the thing that was the biggest challenge for me was being in a room of so many people with so many like um I don't want to say egos but as such but like so many big characters I'm used to just going to a gig doing my thing and going home or like go into an audition, which is basically what Drag Race is, going in, doing a great job, go home, and then I get a phone call, you got the job. Whereas the experience of Drag Race is so different because we're all there for the same thing, fighting for the same mm. prize. And I'm, I don't like big groups. Like my humour comes when I can play off of people once I know people. So my biggest challenge was, was getting used to 
the very strange atmosphere that is Drag Race, being filmed, being in a workroom, being surrounded by people after lockdown. It was just very surreal. Mm. How is that? Because there is such a strong sisterhood that develops on the show as it goes through. How did that sisterhood change and develop for you? And how did it, how did you lean on it at different times as well? Well, I knew before the show, like I, I kind of had, no, I knew Vanity quite well from loads of gigs. I knew Scarlet quite well from a couple of gigs before it. And then some of them I talked to online, but not really ever met. So as the show goes along, you know, obviously the, the first few episodes, you don't really get to know anyone because it goes so fast before you know it mm. on your two runways and then someone's gone. And then we did that like crazy fitness routine and then it's lip sync gone. So it's really by episode six onwards that I felt that I really felt connected to certain people and a real sisterhood because we, we'd all gone through lockdown getting ready for Drag Race. So we were already really connected without having to say anything, you know, like a subconscious connection. Mm. We'd all been through the struggle of 2020 and somehow pulled all these outfits out of our arseholes and got a drag race. Do you know what I mean? Can I swear on this thing? I don't know. You can, babe. Oh, fan-fucking-tastic. <laughs> Get that potty mouth out. <laughs> well, you know, I swear quite a lot. In the last episode, I think I said, bugger, bugger, bugger. I, like, I seem to swear like the poshest person I've ever met. Like, bugger, bugger, <laughs> shit, fuck, bollocks. You know, Nigella comes to play, but I swear it would seem. With a wiggle of the tits at the same time, oh, babe. Shit. <laughs> This is like oh, oh, shit. Shit. This is like Oompa Loompa off guard just on a night out, by the way. Like, <laughs> truth is, my partner is away, so I can't actually zip up my normal costume. So I said, right, we'll just shove on a uh, whatever colour this is. Dirty orange. Dirty orange. Anyway, sorry. Ooh. <laughs> dirty, dirty girl. <laughs> dirty Oompa Loompa. What do you think was the kind of like crowning moment for you when you felt the most empowered on the show? Um, Definitely without a shadow of a doubt was Snatch Game because people didn't see me coming. And I I know I'd said in like the confessionals that people always kind of underestimate what I can do and they don't, they don't presume I'm going to be good at things. But my favorite thing is actually to show them I don't like to talk about what I'm good at. I like to just show people. Like, mm. I think there's too much chat. I'm really good at this. I'm really good at this. I'd just rather just do it and be good at it and and sort of prove you wrong. So I think Snatch Game for me was like m- one of my defining moments where people were like, oh, fuck, actually, Ella's funny and quick and stuff like that. Things you don't see when I do a gig, no one's seen me do a gig because I do solo gigs. So like none of these, none of the queens in the show had actually seen me do anything live. So so this was a moment where I felt like, uh-huh, I've arrived, I'm here. Goodbye, go home. <laughs> Just like Nigella herself, it, the proof's in that pudding, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it, it, exactly, exactly. Like, <laughs> I took a character that, that really no one knew a lot about, and there's a lot of horrible things in the papers and stuff, which I didn't have to use to make her funny. And I think I just... In that moment, I was like, do you know what? I've really proved why I should be here. Because some of the moments in the show up to that point had kind of gone unnoticed. So, like, this was a real nice moment for me. 
Mm. Has Nigella been in touch? She has. I mean, she's she's really active on Twitter. She responds to a lot of her fans, which is so nice. And and she said that I was fabulous and all these fabulous words. She's not got in touch about a collaboration yet, which I'm slightly uh, slightly annoyed about, but I will get my management to get in touch. <laughs> Stunning. And Nigella, darling, if you're listening, <laughs> we'll drop the email address at the end. <laughs> exactly. We're going to need to do pum-pum potatoes and dirty, dirty, dirty rice. And we might get vanity involved because I did steal the idea from her. So, yeah. <laughs> and when you, like, let's take this right back to the beginning of when you first came out as a drag queen. When was that? Where did it all begin for you? Well, I've only been doing it properly since 2019, like Mm -hmm. February, March. The first time I did drag was when I was in the Book of Mormon. We did like this charity gig called Mad Drag Night, which raised money for the Mad Trust, which was for people suffering with HIV and AIDS and stuff like that. And I wanted to do this show the year before, and I'd asked if I could be part of it, and they said they basically didn't get back to me. Anyway, once I got into Mormon, I was they asked me if I would do it, and I was like, yes, I'll do it. And looking back, I looked absolutely awful. I looked terrible. But my first experience of drag was actually at London Pride, I think 2017 or 18, I can't remember, on the main stage of Pride London, doing like this group dance for the Mad Drag Night, which was the charity. So that's kind of how I got into it. And the person doing my makeup was was a Mac makeup artist. And I was watching them do my makeup and I kind of was like, I'm a bit like Catherine Tate in a bit, in a sense where I'm like, I can do that. So I, <laughs> and I was like, I can do that. And I can do it better. So I just bought some makeup and I just started playing around at home and it kind of became my, my hobby. So by the time I left Mormon a couple of years later, I had no job to go on to. So I was like, I can do that. And I started doing drag and that's it really in a nutshell. That is it. That is the recipe. How do you think drag has helped embrace you and your relationship with yourself? Oh, see, massively, because most of my life, like obviously on the show, I talk about coming out and stuff like that. But in terms of um, masculinity versus femininity, I've found in the acting world, musical theatre world, blah, 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 to be successful, you have to you have to be masculine as a male. You have to be like the lead role vibes. Usually it's straight people they cast without without them saying it's straight people. Usually it is. Um, so I've spent most of my life trying to be the straightest I can be. So mm. when I discovered drag, it was kind of like a, a different part of me that I could access. And I could also like switch them off. So like, I definitely have two sides of me. I have Nick and I have Elle of a Day. Elle of a Day is that this big busted, big hip broad with big air. who's a bit camp. And me at a drag, I'm at the gym. I, I'm quite like, I wear granddad jumpers. I'm a bit of a geek. So like, I have like these two very different parts of myself. So drag definitely lets me embrace the kind of, femininity and campy side which I've not necessarily been able to do throughout my career Mm. you know since I came out at least so so yeah it's it's been really it's been a lovely 
uh, moment. And the fact it's on TV as well is just extra special. Mm. And you mentioned your coming out and coming out. And it is such a seismic time in people's lives. What was that experience like for you? And what was coming out for you? Well, I feel I feel like coming out for me came in so many different stages. Like I went to musical theatre college at 16 to 19. So you'd think, you'd think it would be easy to come out. And it's one of the gayest places you could possibly go when you're in your, you know, mid teens but it actually made me not want to come out even more like really weirdly um I was very confused by sort of 19 by my graduating year but I just kept it to myself because I hate drama don't know if you know something mm. I actually hate drama so I was just like I'd rather just do this on my own and work it out for myself rather than have to be like oh by the way I'm gay by the way I'm gay because that's just drama can't bothered um so, yeah, I, ju- I just felt like I've always had like quite an old head on young, very narrow shoulders. So I kind of just I just wanted to experience it and go out there and work it out for myself. And eventually I did told told my family in different at different times. But really, I didn't I didn't come out till 21. Something like that. I can't remember which mm. is mad, really, because you spend your whole childhood. I can remember from probably the age of like 12 or something like battling with these thoughts in my head. I grew up in, in Suffolk in a tiny village called Hoxton near I, near Dis, you know, all these places you've probably never heard of, but there was, there's, there was no representation. I was a kid of section 28, which started the year I was born. So like most of my life and probably like a few years before I went to college, section 28 ended most of my life, I had no idea what being gay was, what sex was, anything. I was so, like, I was so childish in that respect. So it just took me ages to to figure out what, who the hell I was. Mm. Where did you find strength during that process? I um, I was lucky enough as a, as a kid, you know, all through my teenage years to, to be dancing and doing acting and stuff. So I had a hobby. And I think it's so important for for young people. I, I was lucky enough to have parents that would support me in my ventures. Like, so I decided age like 15 that I was going to go to college at 16. So like I was dancing like hours and hours per night, probably five days a week. I was working on a, on a sun, Saturday. So I was dancing and performing and learning my craft six days a week so like I was able to find my strength through my passion which was performance and that's mm. why I'm still doing it now because although I've turned my my kind of hobby into a career I still really enjoy it and without it I don't feel myself so it's almost like I've taken drag is now like an extension of that performance career I've had and now it's kind of something new it's kind of reinvigorated me and it's like something completely new in my 30s which is crazy Mm. I never expected this but it happened (laughs) (laughs) but life like you know what life always throws you a curveball no matter what time no matter what stage you're at in your life and I think we all get wrapped up in our head like oh we're gonna get to 30 and we're like this finished product and like and that isn't the case. And there's always going to be something new that comes around the corner. And for you, you're now 
you know, you've been doing this for a couple of years and now you're on national TV as yourself and in drag as well. And there's nowhere to hide, really. Has that been liberating for you? Yeah, it's great. It's, it's, it's definitely something I'm not used to because I'm used to, you go, I'm used to going to a stage door and you sign a couple of autographs and that's it. Bob's your uncle, Fanny's your aunt, they can, they can follow you on Instagram. But now it's like people recognise you out of drag and in drag. There's almost no escape. But it's also so nice to be recognised finally for like my talent and how much work I put into what I do and how much I love it. So it is, it's amazing. It is really, mm. really amazing and so unexpected. And it's for, for like this country boy, it's like, I never saw this coming. If you'd have told me this when I was a kid, you're going to be on national TV. You're going to be a famous drag queen. Like, I would have said, you need to go home because you're not <laughs> if you could go back to that you who was living in the countryside and struggling with who they were Mm. and are do you what would you want to say to them oh god I mean I don't think I would have listened if I'd said anything to that person to be honest because I still would have said no 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 don't be stupid I want to be Brad Pitt I don't want Brad Pitt to be in me. You know what I mean? (laughs) But if I could say something, I would be like, you need to be, you need to be kinder to yourself because there's so many people that are going to be unkind to you. If you can't be a nice person and accept yourself, then, you know, there's no hope. But I wouldn't say that. I'd just be like, I think at the end of the day, People need time to find out who they are. And that's exactly what I needed. And I would never change anything. I just, I just, uh, I'd like to think that nowadays people and younger people live in a much nicer society than what I did. Mm. What do you think drag's helped you let go of? Drag, I think drag maybe lets me be more vocal about things I'm not happy with, especially at the moment. Like there's so many trolls and, horrible people online I definitely would not probably not in the past say about it and say like like this is not right don't do this da, 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 screenshot da, da, da. I'm also much more happy with I guess I'm just more open and comfortable within my own skin so I guess drag has opened up that for me as well in and out of drag I feel so comfortable so like when people try and come for me I'm actually like I don't actually care what your opinion is. And hopefully I can reflect and deflect that to other people that that care too much about what people think of them. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It, it gets, it gets a, you know. <laughs> they, they, they are the words of a true queen and you are a queen. But who do you think has passed the crown onto you and inspired you the most? I mean, I'm really annoying because I don't, I don't honestly feel like I'm inspired by like one person at all. I feel like my mum, let's, okay, let's get deep. My mum is one of the most powerful and strongest people I know. Like she's been through so much and there's so much I could have spoke about on the show, but I just didn't want to talk about it because Mm. I have respect for my mum and dad, but like, there was so much my mum has been through. She's had cancer and 
she's got through it and she's going through something at the minute and she's so strong and she's always been there for us kids and dogs and animals and everything that she has been has been thrown away like it's so incredible to have those role models yeah. in your life and especially when you can find them in your own home where you're growing up like that's such a special thing my my mum is one of the most amazing people i know and if i could be half of what my mum is she's caring she's funny she's sarcastic she's all the things that i am but just on a uh, on a different level like honestly she comes to some of the parties that we do and everyone goes oh my god i love your mum your mum is amazing your mum's the best she's the best oh my gosh she's fabulous i honestly feel like i'm embracing my mum when i'm in drag because i do turn into a mum and i do i do tend to look after the girls like crystal and people and i'm always giving them hugs and i'm giving advice and i'm just like that little that person that's got a bit more age, a bit more experience in life. And if I can embody my mum in drag, then fantastic. (laughs) I love that. That is such a fabulous way of looking at it. Do you think that's why you are the UK's next drag race superstar? I, I honestly, it's so weird to even think that way, but... That's me being a humble, silly bastard. Yes, I should be the next Drag Race UK superstar or whatever the words are, because like I've literally never, I've never failed every week. I've brought myself, my true self. If you don't like me for the way I am, if I'm too quiet or too humble or too professional or too nice, I don't care because that is me. I'm not there to cause drama like a lot of people. And, um, I just think I'd be a good role model for a lot of a lot of gay, queer, you know, LGBTQ plus kids who who don't know who they are, become who they are, do what they want, don't really care. But also I represent people that you don't need to be horrible to get far, but you can actually be you can actually be polite, caring and hardworking and talented and still get far in a competition. I think that's what I've proved. Yes, you have in spades. And that's what we need more of in all realms of society. The world is so unkind. All you have to do is be slightly nice to people and it will be so much nicer. And nicer to yourself, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I am shady and I am sarcastic and I will take the piss out of you. But at the end of the day, I will care if you're upset by what I've said, I will probably be really upset. So like, I would never say something that would upset you. And I actually really, really do care. And people get me wrong. Sometimes they think I'm really like dead inside, but I think I care way more than they think. Mm. And that's such a special thing to care and to care about yourself and the way you affect others and the relationships you have with other people. And I think we all need to be a bit more. We need to be a bit more you babes, a bit more caring, a bit nicer, spread that around. Exactly. You don't have to be horrible to be a drag queen. There's literally no point. You're not going to get any gigs. No one's going to like you. You won't get any tips. So just get a grip. Be nice. (laughs) I love that. And we've already come to the end of this episode but at the end of every episode we always ask one final question and that is in the reign of your life what's the one rule you will always live by 
The one rule I will always live by. God. Okay. Treat others how you would want to be treated. Simples. Simple, effective, and does exactly what it says on the tin. But it's been amazing talking to you, and thank you so much for sharing your drag. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Josh. I hope you loved this special episode of Rain. And if you did, please drop me a message or comment, like, and subscribe or follow wherever you get this podcast from. Don't forget to check out the other episodes with this year's finalists of RuPaul's Drag Race UK as well. And if you want to see the fierce looks the Queen served whilst recording this episode, head to my Instagram page at Josh Smith Hosts.